Britain's Conversation. This is a podcast from LBC. James O'Brien. Your weekly opportunity to achieve your last for a while as well. Obviously, I, I won't be here next week. I'm back the week after, I think. Your weekly opportunity to achieve the sort of satisfaction not ordinarily available on your radio. The way it works, if you're not already familiar, good grief, it's gone a bit nuts already. Um, I can see Beth struggling today. If you ring in every week with the same rubbish question and get told every week that you're not going to get on, stop ringing in every week with the same rubbish question. It's not hard to understand. Two rules. Don't be boring. And I appreciate that that can be a little bit subjective. So ask yourself this. Imagine a random selection of 25 people. And if you think that 20 of them would be interested in the answer to the question that you want to ask, crack on. If in a sort of rare outbreak of honesty you recognise that it's possible only you will be crack off all right and repetition that's my job really to look out for stuff we've already done although frankly i am prepared to crowdsource Uh, it is a bit like those newspaper features or those magazine features that you've seen where someone writes in and asks a question and then a couple of weeks later um somebody else writes in with an answer this is rather more immediate and quick it can be silly and it can be very serious if you hear somebody else ask a question to which we know the answer then or rather to which you know the answer then please ring in and share it with us and that's that's where probably mystery hour is best explained the um the the criteria for answering can be anything from i saw it on telly last night right through to i'm the professor actually we haven't had professor hal on for ages have we i think he's been off with his science road show but the professor of the public understanding of science at the university of brighton remains with the possible exception of wayne in basildon the most decorated mystery hour answerer ever um so you can either be uh, uh wayne in basildon or the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton, and the whole world exists between the two positions. If you don't know what I'm talking about, stick around, and you will have worked it out for yourself within a couple of minutes. Seven minutes after 12 is the time. Um, Should we crack on? I think we should. Got the radio to ready, Axel? Got the round of applause ready? Got the hosanna ready for the passage of water from an area of high concentration to an area of low concentration from a, through a semi-permeable membrane? We're good to go. Danny's in Coventry. Danny, question or answer? Uh, it's an answer, James. Carry on. <laughs> Obviously not. I've always wanted to say that for always. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> hope it lived up to expectations, Danny. Oh, it did. <laughs> Carry <laughs> on. <laughs> it threw me, actually, but I thought I dealt with it very expertly. <laughs> yeah, um, I want to know uh, the origin of swear words, James. Who decided which words were acceptable and were non-acceptable words? I like this. You, I mean, we can leave blasphemy to one side. So you're talking about things yeah. like the F word and, the, and, and sundry other body parts and what have you. Because yeah. taking taking the name of the Lord in vain or swearing in that sense is, is easy to pin down. But, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's going to, yeah, I, the, the, the notion of at what point did something become offensive. Chaucer's full of some of the words that I would get into trouble for repeating on the radio. Mm. But I don't know if yeah, they exactly. I don't know if they were offensive when Chaucer was writing or if they've subsequently become I bet the Victorians had a lot to do with it. Mm. And this is the thing, uh, I don't know if you saw Philip Hammond when he was Secretary of State for Foreign and Commonwealth Affairs. When he went he went over to a van and he put both of his thumbs up on stage. And that's the equivalent of sticking your finger up. Is it? <laughs> over there. Yeah, I just thought it was funny because you don't know who's And he didn't know. Yeah, yeah I mean, I know. can imagine that happening. The, 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 I didn't yeah. know that at all. And it does speak of the arbitrary nature of, of what is considered to be formally and socially offensive. So what makes a swear word a swear word? That is a lovely question, Danny. I thank you for it. Eight minutes after 12 is the time. 
Um, what do we need for that? Probably an etymologist. No, I don't know what it would be, actually. Uh, Susie Dent would probably know. If Susie Dent is listening, we'll let you on today. James is in North Tuddenham in Norfolk. Whereabouts is North Tuddenham? Where's it near? Uh, it's near Norwich. It's just off the A47 between Dereham and Easton. So near Attleborough? Uh, well, no, not really. Oh, every time. Right? Every time. Well, I'm not going to do it by the road. I'm doing it as the crow flies. Uh, Wyndham? Yeah, no, no. No, I'm still time. coming in on the train. I don't know North Tottenham. I, lo- I love the Norfolk nomenclature, though. North Tottenham. Question well, or answer, James? Here, uh, I, I would like a question. Please. Carry on. Um, growing pains. Yes. I would like to know what they are. If, if they are actually you growing, do you feel yourself growing? Do you, oh, do you tell me? I, well, I don't know. I haven't had them for a long time. Did you have them ever? Yes, yes, well, I've had them before. When, when did you have them? Oh, probably when I was in high school. And were you growing? Uh, yeah, I was at the time. So they probably, I mean, you can't derive co- causation from correlation, can you? But, you, no. I mean, stranger things have happened. I mean, your bones are growing and your nerves... Why am I even pretending that I'm going to be able to come cobble exactly, together? You, yeah. you can't. You no. can't. You haven't got this one. No, no, not even close, mate. But my arrogance is such that I can genuinely start off on a path in the genuine belief that I'm going to arrive at a destination. And then after four steps, I, I realise that I could easily be going backwards down the <laughs> path. I've not even noticed I've fallen off a path. There is no path. Okay. So are, is growing pains a real thing? Is it, is, it, is it genuine physical discomfort caused by the act of growing? That's it. Good. I love it. You're on. Thank you, James. Ten minutes after twelve is the time. Phoenix is in Brixton. Phoenix, question or answer? Hi, James. I have a question. Uh, excellent. Go on. Um, so, me and my boyfriend just got back from travelling, and I really don't like flying, and I just started the conversation about phobias. So, we were just wondering, how many people have to be afraid of something before it's considered a phobia and documented as a I don't, I mean, the the short answer is one person. If you have an irrational fear of something, that's a phobia. But to be documented and given a name, uh, there's not going to be a rule, is there, Phoenix? Come on, use your noddle. No one's like, there's 11 people here who are terrified of spiders. Yeah, sorry, that's not enough for a phobia. Oh, there's 12 now. Oh, let's call it arachnophobia. There's not... why do some things have names and others don't? Well, that, now that's where, I, that's where I begin to sound a little foolish, because that will have something to do <laughs> with the prevalence of the problem. So it will, in some sense, be linked to how many people have it, but not in a way that can be counted, surely. There's no way that... The more I condescend to a questioner, <laughs> the more likely it is that ten minutes down the line I'm going to be served a fat slice of humble pie. But there is no way, there is no way there's a number attached to the well, definition. categorising system for how it... Okay. <laughs> what's, what's fear of flying called? Um, I don't know, actually. <laughs> where did you get to on your travels? What was your favourite place? Um, so we travelled Southeast Asia, um, so I really enjoyed all of it, really. I really loved Cambodia, and Thailand was lovely as well. Just oh, all of it was really so amazing. When did you get back? I came back to the cold two days ago, and it was freezing the second we got off the plane, and we'd been travelling for three months oh, in the tropical, lovely weather. That's <laughs> terrible. I, I, well, at least at least you're back safe and sound. I shall try and get, yeah. you, I, I shall try and get you an answer. We used to have great fun doing um, comedy phobias in a different era on this programme, and people would ring in, and one of the oddest people, some people are terrified of buttons. Yeah, it's weird. there's a weird one where people are scared of um, a duck staring at them somewhere in the world. I read that somewhere online. I think you need to watch what you, what do you mean a duck staring at them somewhere in the world? I don't know, it's a really weird phobia. What do, exactly were you, what diet were you on when you were in Thailand, Phoenix? <laughs> 
I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried about some some of the symptoms that you might have brought back with you. A duck stand. There will be now. This is where I'll stop being condescending because clearly she didn't make that up. She may slightly have, I don't know, embellished it in the retelling. Is there a criteria at which something becomes recorded as a phobia or gets given a name? So if you, fi- I bet there isn't. I bet if one person turns up with a pathological fear of microphone covers. God, that was hard work, casting around for something random there that you might have a pathological fear of. If someone did develop a pathological fear of microphone covers, you could call it microphone cover phobia And it, it wouldn't need seven people or 7,000 people to have developed a pathological and entirely ra- irrational fear of microphone covers. Whew. Steve's in Long Melford. Steve, question or answer? Answer, Jake. Good man, bring it. It's to do with growing pains. Oh, yes. Uh, the answer is yes. There are certain conditions that are specific to um, our growth period in our life, um, such as um, Osgood slatters, where tendons pull on the, uh, the, knees. the bone of the shin. Yeah. I, 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 I spent three years disease. dodging rugby by pretending that I had Osgood slatters disease. <laughs> yeah, you're not the only one. <laughs> can't prove it. You can't, so the doctor would hold my knee, tell me Absolutely. to tense it. Every time I tense it, I go, ow! And he'd go, oh, no, yeah. I don't think you can play rugby. I mean, in retrospect, for young people listening, the stupidest thing I ever did at, at school was opt out of playing rugby on the grounds yeah. that I didn't like being bossed about, because I loved the game, and I, I wasn't that bad at it, but by the age of 17, I was a lardy mess. Um, so that would be a growing pain. As the shins grow, the, 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 the tendons in the knee stretch, and that hurts. Exactly. Yeah, the bones grow about six months faster, quicker than the muscles that attach to them. So there's other parts of the body where you get the same phenomenon, such as in the heel you get Severs disease, oh, the knees, good. Osgood's letters. Yes. So they would be quite specific. But there's no, is there like an overall? I mean, you, you don't no, get... I, no, you do get, re- well, we do get referrals for growing pains, uh, but generally um, when they're not quite as specific as that, yes. they tend to be more to do with wear and tear and muscle imbalances. Got you. Got you. That's, but as you said correctly, the short answer is yes, there is such a thing of, of, as physical pain being caused by the act of growing. What are your qualifications, Steve? I'm a physiotherapist. Good man. But what's the best thing to do for posture? Oh, James, the best thing to do with posture when you're sitting down is to sit on your seat bones, which are the two bones right in your bottom. If you're sitting on a soft seat, you'll get onto them by tilting your pelvis forward, tilting back, guessing the middle position, and then put a pillow or a cushion or a rolled-up towel behind your low back. That's for your low back. Shoulders down, long neck, which is a chin-down position, not a chin-up I'm going to move the microphone. Hang on a minute. Let's just do that again. Wait there. Just forgive me for any strange noises coming out of your radio. I'm just, I've got to get this sorted in the new year. Otherwise, yep. I'm going to be a hunchback by the time I'm 50. Right, yep. so uh, the, what, what do you mean by the seat bones? Do you mean like the kind of okay. the, the nucleus yep. of the buttocks? Yes, yep. The two bones, either side of your back passage. Got, Get yeah. your bottom right to the back of the chair. Yeah. If you're on a cushion, you can't feel your weight on them. If you're I've got, I've got quite an ergonomic, expensive chair, so it's like having yeah. a cushion. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm conscious of them. I've got them in the zone. Great. Now, you will have some space bet- behind your back, bet- behind your back and the chair cushion itself. I do. When you sit on your seat bones, you need to fill that space with a comfortable rolled-up towel, something that will hold you She's in that position. She's got a cushion. Do you always have a cushion? Producer's way yeah, ahead of you, mate. The produ- Beth's way ahead of you on this. She's, she's got yeah. posture coming out of her ears. Here we go. Yeah. Okay, so I need to get a little cushion. And then what do I do with my shoulders and my neck? Shoulders down. So if at any point when you're not moving, you are able to drop your shoulders, you need to do that. Got drop it. your shoulders. 
And then with your chin, you need a long neck. And what that means, it's not a chin-up position, it's a slight chin down. It's like a double chin. Oh, mate, I feel uh, better already. Yeah, absolutely. There's one problem. Go on. The microphone's miles away now. I don't know if anyone can yeah. still hear Can anyone still hear me? <laughs> I need to get a longer That's microphone off. This is when you're not moving. The body's designed to move. So when you need to move, move as freely as possible. This is only when you're not moving. Yeah, well, that's three hours a day, really, isn't it? Because this is where... I don't yeah. know if you've seen any of my incredibly successful viral clips that yeah. have um, that have led me to be described as the man who made radio go viral. I don't know if they've come across, but it's, sometimes I watch them back myself by accident because they pop up in my feed. I look like a sloth. I look like I don't have any bones in my body. I've, I, I can contort my body into positions that seem to defy physics. Yes, absolutely, yep. Well, yep. Thanks to you. Round of applause for Steve. Thank you. No, thank you. Does my voice sound better as well? Does it sound more basal as it's coming from down here? No, no. What? Who? You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Some nice questions. What, what makes a swear word a swear word? Not blasphemy, okay? As, as Costas has reminded us, I think the Greek word for blasphemy is vlastimia which would mean cursing God. So not those ones, the ones about body parts or bodily functions or sexual activities that, that if I said on the radio now, you would be offended and I would possibly get into trouble. Well, not possibly. I think of a couple of them. No, don't do the rhyming slang because it will backfire horribly. What, um... All right. Health Secretary. The, um... The, the, the obviously words that would get me into enormous amounts of trouble if we said them on the radio. So, Why? Because they're random collections of letters that weren't always rude. What makes them rude? Who decided? When did it happen? I'm going with Victorian times, but only off the top of my head. Also, can you tell that my posture has improved since since the last call? No way you get a Ray Liotta for being a physiotherapist. You get a Ray Liotta if he's answering a question about growing pains, for being the Osgood in Osgood Slattis disease, for being the bloke that actually discovered the condition. Honestly, some people... <sighs> and the other one that needs an answer is the one about phobias. So... Is there a criteria? And, God, she was right about the ducks. I knew it. I stopped myself then, didn't I? I was about to start mocking her. There is, a, indeed, a fear of feeling that somewhere in the world a duck or a goose is watching you. And it is called anatidaphobia. Anatidaphobia. Fear that somewhere in the world a duck or a goose is watching you. Me neither. Honestly, but given that 2017 has thrown up considerably weirder things than that already under the guise of democracy, I am not going to dispute the existence of anatidaphobia. I bet I develop it now. By the end of the programme, I'm going to be absolutely shivering at the thought of a goose in Laos watching me silently. If you do suffer from this condition, I've probably just given you post-traumatic stress disorder, for which I should probably apologise. So, sorry. Ravi's in Elton. Ravi, question or answer? It's a question, please, James. You nearly forgot then, didn't you, because I've been babbling right. on for so long. Yeah. yeah sorry yeah, about yeah, that. Go on. Never mind. Right, so my question is probably a really easy answer, mm. but I haven't looked it up or anything. Now, pound signs, euro signs, you know, the signs for currency, where do they come from? Are they just thought up and designed, or are they from somewhere? They'd be stamped on coins originally, would they? Or No, probably not. No. They're not like the euro, for example. Yeah. Where did that sign come from? Well, someone just who made it. Someone it? just made yeah, it up. Somebody... Yeah, but who? who the, the graphic designer. No. Yeah, of course no, it is. It's the same people that design a logo. Yeah, I can. Well, you can say that for every every question you get. You can say graphic designer. Well, it sounds a bit silly if the question was about scuba diving. <laughs> 
Well, anyway... Wouldn't yeah, it, Rob? Hang on a minute, Rob. Let's just examine the wisdom of your last <laughs> observation. Someone said, James, what is the bends that, that you get if you come up to the surface too quickly while scuba diving? And I said, graphic designer. I don't think your theory's holding, mate, is it? No, no, no. It's not no, standing no, up to scrutiny, Rob. Not, not for every uh, <laughs> situation. But for this one, I don't think it's just a graphic designer. I don't know. No, nor do I. Because pounds have been around for ages, presumably yeah, before graphic design was even a thing with a name. Yeah, just be a probably before scuba diving. Do pictograms. Pop site. Yeah. You, yeah, all right, I like that. So the actual kind of, the, 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 the sign for the currency, the pound yeah. sign, the euro sign. What else do we have? It's an F for francs. What, what's a Deutschmark? It's a DM. It's usually just letters. Yeah. But maybe it no, isn't. It, I don't know. It isn't, because the euro's not a... Well, it is. It's a, it's a Greek E. It's like a big epsilon, isn't uh, it? Yeah. Is it? I don't know. You're the one with the question. <laughs> I don't know. I oh. thought it'd be an easy answer. Well, No. Depends, doesn't it? What do other countries do? do? I mean, I'm trying to think. They just have a name. It might only be pound sterling that actually has a little sign. Everything else is just the first letter of the word, even though, in the case of a euro, it's done in a fancy font. Dollar. No. Dollar. Ravi, Ravi, mate. Yeah, dollar. dollar. Go on. Dollar. There you go. Dollar what? Dollar. Dollar. It's not just the pound. You've got the dollar. Yeah, you've got the dollar. You've got, you, there's loads of others. I know who designed the dollar sign. Who? Graphic designer. It's twelve twenty-five. Sheila is in Sidcup. Sheila, question or answer? It's a question, James. Carry on, Sheila. I think you might like this one because oh, on. you know your name, James O'Brien. I am passingly familiar with it, Sheila. Yes. <laughs> um, there's a little apostrophe, and apostrophes always stand for something, don't they? So I'm wondering, what does that little apostrophe stand for? I know this. Do it's, you? Yes. I thought you might. It stands for son of. Or, or, or member of. So I think O'Brien goes back to the King of Ireland, Brian Baru, and, and O'Brien. In the same way, Mac in Scotland, it means that I belong to that clan originally. Oh, yeah. have you? I've been pondering that since ever since I went to Ireland in, in uh, Easter. So well, now you know. I'm 99.9% .9 sure on that. Do you know what Fitz means? Fitz? You know, well, like no, if you meet a Fitzwilliam or a Fitzherbert or a Fitzpatrick. No, go on. Now that, my 11-year-old has been doing this in history, and she was telling me last night, that means illegitimate child of. Oh. Oh, yes, so it would often apply to aristocracy and, of course, royalty. Mm, interesting. You live and learn, eh? Absolutely. Will you get a round of applause, James? You're not wrong, Sheila. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. 26 minutes after 12 is the time. John is in Reading. John, question or answer? Christmas question. Carry on. Oh, yeah, we do that uh, usually, but we didn't this year because we answered all the Christmas questions last year, except this one, clearly. OK, right. Why is it in Norwegian countries they have an evil Santa? What? What do you mean Norwegian yeah. countries? So, like Scandinavia, Germany... Well, Poland, say that then. Uh, you can't say Norwegian countries. Norway is a country, you... Finland, balloon. like the northern sort of hemisphere. What do you mean they have an evil Santa? I've never come across this before. Right, so I was on Facebook the other night, and oh, here we go I, again. You uh, weren't reading about you weren't, you weren't reading about uh, Jeremy Corbyn, were you? Like the other fellow. <laughs> <laughs> it was it's like in Germany where they basically like an evil Santa that would go into rooms where children and they would scare them, and they have like sacks and they would threaten to take them away. And I was like, my God, that's horrifying. <laughs> why do they have that? Why do, in like Germany and Holland? Why do they have like evil Santa? Is that true? It is real, true, honestly. But, but do they have two yeah. Santas? They have good Santa and bad Santa. Yeah, so they have, like, an evil Santa and a good Santa, and I had no idea what they'd got an evil Santa for. Nor have I, now. I, I, mean, I wasn't even aware of it before. So that should be quite easy to do. I mean, we've only got until March 2019 to answer that question. After that, we won't be allowed to do things like this. 
I shall uh, I'll endeavour to do my best for you, John. 27 after 12. Why do Scandinavian countries or, or, or Germanic countries, Northern European countries, have an evil Santa? And, and possibly John has misunderstood the tradition somewhat, but equally I'd like you to explain it. We've done apostrophes. Who designed currency signs? Um, how, how many people have to be frightened of something to do a phobia? I knew that duck thing was too good to be true. God, we're moving fast today. It started with it started with the Gary Larson cartoon, according to Richard, who's who's um, tweeted me the original cartoon, anti day phobia, the fear that somewhere somehow a duck is watching you. But that doesn't mean that the far side made it up, Richard. That means that the far side did a very funny cartoon about. Oh, this is getting ridiculous. What came first, the phobia or the duck? Phil is in Birmingham. Phil, question or answer? Well, it wasn't. I'm in Immingham, but I'll be in Birmingham if you like me to be there. Do you know it says Immingham? do with the, um, the symbols for the money, but I don't know about the dollar. I only know how the pound one came about. No, I know that as well. You know how the pound one well, came it's, it's a glorified L, isn't it? So you're going to take me yeah. back to the Romans and Libra. Why did you even get me to him? Well, I can't hear you, I, because I, need, I, 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 I want to know a general overview rather than just a specific example. Well, it's to do with Libra and it's Libra. A terrible pound. phone line. Is it? Is it yeah. any better now? It is. What were you doing? Why do people do... This is... Do, do you do it on purpose? No, you were plugged in to did the battery. You, did you hear the bloke the other day who was talking, and he sounded like he had a, he had sort of, I don't know, marshmallows in his mouth, and I said as a yeah. joke, I said, could you just take your finger off the mouthpiece of your phone? And, yeah. and, 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 and Is that better, James? I couldn't believe my ears. It just happened again. Never mind. Where were we? Uh, well, it's Tony Robinson. He teaches me so many things with time team. But they were, they were showing, they're demonstrating the weighing of, of silver and gold and that. And the proper old-fashioned little scales that had a little balance on each end, dangling yes. off a chain. I'll get, I'm going to give you a round of applause, because that is where pound comes from. And, and that was the original answer, although Ravi was hoping for a more sophisticated analysis. I don't think there is one. So if you know how dollars, who came up with a dollar sign, that would probably get you a round of applause as well. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Back to Mystery Hour momentarily. Before that, I just I just want to do something very quickly. I'd, I'd say thank you to everyone who sent me a Christmas card. I can't obviously thank you all personally, but I should thank a few of you. Um, so I, I can't. This, this is fascinating. You sent me a page out of your late father's book from 1939, which has an astonishing insight. I think it says Rosemary, but I'm awful at reading other people's writing. If it is Rosemary, then thank you, Rosemary. If it's not Rosemary, then thank you, lady who sent me the photocopy page out of your dad's book about how Brits looked to Germans back in 1939. It's really funny. A foreigner who for the first time comes to England is struck by many old traditions which are almost religiously observed by the whole people. The English have not adopted the decimal system in measures, weights and coins. They divide the pound into 20 shillings, the shilling into 12 pence and the penny into four farthings. Moreover, they measure by inches, feet, yards, miles, pints, quarts and gallons and they weigh by pounds, ounces and stones. They have recklessly sacrificed historical treasures, monuments and famous landscapes in order to make room for so-called modern improvements. I'd love to read more, but you haven't, you haven't given me any further detail on what the book is, David. I should thank Chris, who is listening in Tokyo, for reasons that I can't really fully divulge on the radio, but I did enjoy your postcard enormously. Therese, thank you so much, especially for the book that you sent for the children who loved it. I don't know if we will be able to join in at the harvest of sweets in person, but I can assure you that they both loved the book and the accompanying sweets. Um, Kevin, a special shout to, who has sent me a picture of his Christmas card. He says, I'm recently retired. Convert to your show. It's been an education. This is a limited edition card made from a photo of the Christmas decoration 
observation I made. It is a large sign lit up by 300 LED lights. Amazing what you can do with time on your hands. And those LED lights spell out. I don't know where Kevin has put this. If you live near him, I'd love to see it. Santa says, and then there's a word that would fit under the question that we're currently doing on Mystery Hour about swear words. What makes them swear words, given that this just refers to masculine body parts um, that usually come in twos. Santa says, hmm, to Brexit. So I did, I did chuckle enormously at that card. Thank you also to Valerie, um, uh, who, I, I don't know, I've forgotten who sent me the, I mean, Turkish Delight. I know Gary did, I ate that, and I've got another box of Turkish Delight, but I lost the card that went with it. If it was you, Valerie, thank you. If it wasn't, you just got that for nothing. And Gary Barker, who's added to my list of cards from... Um, professional cartoonist. I'm getting quite a collection on the mantelpiece. This has Theresa May in, in the kind of guises of, of the Christmas Grinch chasing Santa down a chimney with Santa, of course, has his sack. Um, I think that's it. I hope so. Daniela as well. Thank you for the lovely comments about my mum. They were very much appreciated. And, and apologies to everybody else who sent a card, but I haven't had time to... We may have another round tomorrow. It's 12.36. Back to mystery. Andy is in Hackney. Andy, question or answer? James, season's greeting to you, sir. I have a question. Bring it. Why is there no such thing as a size B battery? What? Why is there no such thing as a size B battery? <laughs> I've been, basically, I've been, I've been going around buying toys for my little lads for Christmas, a couple of them battery operated. Yeah. And I've noticed there's double A and that they tripled up on the size A and then it jumps straight to a size C. Why is there no size B? <sighs> I, 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 I think that there were. There were? And in the olden days. Were they withdrawn from service for some bizarre reason? Yeah, I think they were just a bit rubbish. <laughs> so okay, well, what, uh, okay. I, I, I think that you would once have used them in your bicycle lamp. <laughs> you what? are grasping. I, I'm not. You are I'm, I, I, I am not. I am not. What I'm doing is dredging up from memory a previous answer to the same question, but I'm not a hundred percent sure that it was on Mystery Hour that the question was asked. I've, and I don't know where I got bicycle lamps from, but if it turns out to be true, that will prove that I am not making it up as I go along for at least the duration of this call. Okay. But why are there no B batteries? The answer then would be there were, because they all agreed to do A, B, C, D. But... but were there? But were there, though? Well, were that's what no, I can't prove no, to you, can I? So we do no need some... C, and there's, there's no double C, and there's no triple C or triple D. There's only triple A. Yeah, you're being boring so, now, mate. There's, look, we're just asking why there's no Bs. We don't need to go through all the ones that there are. All right, all right. What's it? Do you know what a PP3 is? A what? PP3, mate. No idea. It used to be. It's probably called something else now. But the PP3 used to be the square one where you could get a little electric shock if you put your tongue on both both bits. Okay, I thought that was a little round one that you find in watches and and old. No, old definitely old back in the day, PP3 because I had a little handheld video game that needed PP3. So I'd go to Tandy and buy them, buy the rechargeable ones. But you can't wait for my memoirs, can you? Um, it's going to be rivet and read. <laughs> Leave it on the board. Why are there no Bs? Why is there no B in battery? Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. Isabel is in Portsmouth. Isabel, question or answer? Hey there. Hello, Isabel. In your own time. Uh, answer. Answer. Yes. About the evil Santa. Oh yes, I forgot okay. about that. I must write, write yeah. it down. Hopefully, just to cross it out again after you've answered the question. Well, what's it all about? Yeah. So his name is Krampus. He's a half demon, half goat figure. And he kind of has a an opposite relation to the European Saint Nicholas, who 
contrary to the British tradition of Santa, is very different. While British, while Santa is... Oh, you know, forgive me if I'm doing you a grave disservice, but you sound as if you might be reading this. I'm not. Promise? I'm not reading. Pro- promise? Yes. All right, carry on. Okay. So while we like to think of Santa here as, you know, living in the North Pole, being surrounded by elves, uh, St. Nicholas in Europe is instead a Turkish guy who travels by boat and actually is manned by these helpers called Black Peters, who are quite literally, uh, well, basically naughty kids who have been dyed black through coal. Yes. And that's where Krampus fits in. Basically, when St. Nicholas comes to a house, uh, if he thinks the kid has been good throughout the year, he'll reward them with a gift. If not, he'll leave them a block of coal, and that's a sign for Krampus to come, abduct them, and basically take them away in his sack full of coal, from mm. which he then dyes them in to become a servant of St. Nicholas to serve good kids. Cool. That's the tradition. That's pretty hardcore. Yeah. Well, they actually made a horror film about him, like, three years ago. I'm not surprised. What are your qualifications? Um, used to live in Belgium and Austria for a bit. Okay. Generally well, interested in, in European cultures. What? No, Stonehurst. Stonehurst. We're not allowed to be interested in European cultures anymore. Haven't you been following the news? Uh, yeah, I know. You better take a round of applause while you can, because this sort of conversation will be illegal after March 2019. Probably, yeah. Well played, Isabel. I did not know that. Krampus? Krampus? Krampus. Yeah. Yes, people have been dressing up as him since the 16th century. And he's your anti-Santa, as it were. Yeah. Oh, that's a lovely answer. And also, it turns out the question wasn't daft either. I did have my fears, my worries. 12.41 is the time. Tim's in Clapham. Tim, question or answer? Good afternoon and Merry Christmas, James. Thank you, Tim. The same to you. Uh, I have a question, and I'm actually asking a question for a friend. Oh, yeah. And he, he, my friend Fred wants to know <laughs> why why nuclear explosions create mushroom clouds. Why that shape? Yeah, all right. I, I, I was going to have a go, but frankly, I'd, 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 I'd just make a fool of myself, wouldn't I? Have a go. Well, it, it, it must have something to do with different things travelling at different speeds so there's probably water and, and, and debris and stuff in it and bits of it go faster than other bits which go up and bits go out and I told you I'd make a fool of myself yeah it's, it's not a round of applause well, not wrong mate alright why do mushroom clouds is it only new? Is it only atomic bombs nuclear bombs that do mushroom clouds uh, I think it's like three four bombs when they hit the ground or something like that then they go up as Mushroom clouds. So, yeah, I bet you'll have something to do with pressure and. I'll shut up now, Tim. Good question. Who's Fred? Why couldn't he ring in himself? Uh, He's busy and a bit scared. All right. That'll do. Don't blame him. I'm terrifying. 03456060973 is the number you need if you can explain what a mushroom cloud is and why. Done that. Um, Dollars, currency signs. We've, We've done the pound, but can we go any further? Phobias was a fascinating question. What makes a phobia an official phobia? And swear words. Why, why are some words, particularly the ones that refer to body parts or acts of sexual congress, why are they rude? Why, why is it okay to say sexual congress, but not all right to say, for example? Alan is in Wimbledon. Alan, question or answer? Uh, hi, James. Uh, Merry Christmas. It's an answer regarding the apostrophe in Irish names. Uh, I thought I'd done that. Well, kind of. You did a little bit. Um, basically, the apostrophe is an English way of writing the original name, and it represents an accent over the O. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. 
So it should actually be a separate word, and you can see it in the name of the uh, TV presenter, Dara O'Brien, because he writes his name in a traditional way. Does he? Um, yeah, so, and there's actually four of them. There's Matt, it's O, Father, if you're a married man. Yes. Mac, if you're unmarried. Oh. Ni, and I, Father, if you're a woman, unmarried. You, I, Father, if you're a married woman. Oh, well, I never... And, and, and I knew that I knew Dara did that. Dara O'Brien did that, but it didn't register with me that it was. I just never really clocked it before. Oh, that's yeah. fascinating. Well, you, you deserve my round of applause. What are your qualifications? Um, well, I'm, I'm Irish. I'm a, I'm a Gaelic speaker. So. You've got the Gaelic. Yeah. How long would it take to learn Gaelic from scratch if you were of moderate intelligence and were quite good at languages back at school thirty years ago? Uh, it wouldn't take you that long at all. It's actually English is a harder language. Is it? Yeah, we've only got ten irregular verbs. I might have a go. What do you reckon? Yeah, definitely. You should totally do it. I wouldn't mind. That'd be nice, that. And then if I do have yeah. to flee this country post-Brexit and re- re-establish myself <laughs> in Ireland, I'll, I'll be able to fit in anywhere. Yeah, you'd be very welcome. <laughs> be grand. <laughs> Round of applause for Alice. <laughs> it's coming up to 12.45. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. Luke is in Basingstoke. Luke, question or answer? Actually, it's a bit of a steward's inquiry for you, James. Oh, holy maloly. Go on, then. Uh, so about the chap you had talking about Krampus. Yes. Chap there's, S. There's a, there's a little more to it, basically. A bit, a bit more history to it. Okay. He actually comes from, um, like, the ancient north, and he was meant to be the, the goddess of the underworld's son, and he would go around and kidnap bad kids, whip them with okay. birch twigs and stuff like that. So it's kind of the the counter to Odin, and he tried around giving gifts during the wild hunt, that sort of thing. So it's another example of a kind of Christian tradition co-opting pagan traditions and then and, and easing the passage of the people from the from the past to the present and then the future. Exactly, with... exactly that. It's just when they came over, obviously... Like mistletoe. Mistletoe's a pagan thing, isn't it? And now it's part of our Christmas tradition. I think pretty much everything you look at in Christmas is pagan from some in some respect or another. Like it. What are your qualifications? I'm, I'm a pagan, James. But do you, you actually practice paganism? <laughs> it's not so much... We don't practice too much. Like, I... I'll say agnostic pagan sums me up pretty well, pretty nicely. So, I mean, do, do, where do you stand on druids? Don't say their shoulders. Uh, well, unfortunately, because we didn't write anything down, we have to re- rely on word of mouth. Yeah. What they could be doing could be spot on. What they're doing could be complete nonsense, and we don't know. My f- my sort of, it's, the, it's the religion with homework. You have to do your research and find out. Yeah, I like, no, I like it. I, I think I, it. I, it took me a long time to shake off the legacy of 15 years of, of Catholic education by n- nuns and monks. But actually, I, I have no more right to my belief system than, than you have to yours, do I? Quite well, arguably well, I was, well, I was less. Raised, I was raised C of E, and then I was atheist for a very long time, and then I kind of something I don't know awoke in me. You know, so I did a bit of research. Yeah. And it, it's about being closer to nature, which probably makes sense for the future. It's, it's probably it's probably due a comeback, is it? Paganism. It's definitely on the rise. I know in Iceland they've um, they've recently built the new temple, the gods over there, and it's definitely on the rise um, here in Britain as well. Telling me, round of applause for Luke. <laughs> nice work. I like that. That's yeah, fascinating. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC.
Um, questions that still need answers. The mushroom cloud, phobias, and w- w- what makes a swear word a swear word? Not blasphemy. The words that are referencing body parts or, or, or sexual acts, why are they swear words? Who decided when? When did they become rude? Were they rude when Chaucer wrote them? Because Chaucer's full of rude words. It's one of the few things that can uh, sort of keep you going as you try and wade through the almost impenetrable language of old England. But Shakespeare has some fairly fruity language in it, which clearly played to the groundlings. There's some very, very foul puns in Shakespeare, even in places that that you'd least expect. There's a lovely one where Hamlet's talking to Ophelia um, and makes an allusion to the possibility that she might have thought he was talking about sexual matters, but in fact he wasn't. I can't say it on the radio because you'd be able to work out what the pun was and it would be filthy. So I don't know when it became... I'm presuming that the, the whole notion of polite society was essentially quite a Victorian construct, so it was probably in Victorian times, but I'd love to pin it down. If you know the answer to that, 0345 6060973. Professor Hall is here. Professor Hall is the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton. It's been a while, Hall. It's been a while. Hello, James. I've been keeping my powder dry. This is a good one because we've spoken about this before. The oh. um, mushroom cloud. Oh, yes. Right, so... Um, if it's a hydrogen bomb, a fusion bomb, it reaches a temperature of 100 million degrees at ground level and, oh. of course, hot air rises. Yeah. So the stalk of the mushroom is the hot air rising, carrying all the detritus and even gaseous rock with it. Yes. And at some point, as you go up, um, the density of air gets thinner. At some point, the air that's been rising reaches the same density as the air into which it's going and it starts flattening out. And that's where the, the um, cap of the mushroom comes from. Is there any vacuum involved? Um, only because the air is so hot, it starts to separate, almost oh. like a plasma, so there's a lot of gapping in it. Wow. Mainly with density. Say it again, just so that everyone can understand. At ground level, yeah. um, the air is so hot it rises, the hot air rises, as we all know. And it shoots up point, really fast, it doesn't just rise, it blooming rockets. Yeah, because it's 100 million degrees versus um, room Obvs. temperature. Obvs, yeah. Woof, boom, and, um, so that's the boom. Uh, yeah, and at some point um, it sort of flattens out as it reaches equilibrium with the air at the top, but it carries so much stuff with it. with it that all the debris then spreads out at the top, creating the mushroom cap. That's exactly it. Qualifications? Um, Cub Scout badge in science. No, um, tell the truth. Don't be modest. I because people might think I exaggerate. I'm delighted to be the professor of public understanding at the University of Brighton. Round of applause for Professor Howe. I love that. That's beautifully done. Uh, Paul is in Guildford. Paul, question or answer? It's a question. Carry on. I know it's a bit late in day. From Shakespeare to Dickens. Oh, um, every, well, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a Christmas-related origins of the phrase question originally posed by Dickens. Oh. Which I thought would be quite nice yeah. to see this time of year. Yeah, so every year I sit down and read the Christmas Carol to the kids, and in the first um, uh, few chapters... It mentions that Jacob Marley was dead. He was dead for seven years and was as dead as a doornail. Mm. So then the narrator posed, surely it shouldn't be a coffin nail. So why is a doornail dead? I presume Dickens just did it for the alliterative effect, don't you? Well, yeah, but I want to know why. Dead as a doornail. Dickens is quite often, like Shakespeare, oddly, quite often the, 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 the first recorded use of these figures of speech. So, unless it appeared before Dickens, then we will never know why he chose to describe it thus. So, he made this up? I think it's more than possible. I, I mean, the, the list of things that Shakespeare made up is almost endless. It, it, it really is. But when I say made up, it just means he's the first recorded 
user of a phrase. Dickens similarly, because an awful lot of his contemporaries haven't survived. But I, 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 I'll put it on the board. We've got five minutes left. Hopefully we'll get an answer. But, but if not, I'm going to have to Google. Well, yeah, I don't know if you're, but Google won't tell you if Dickens made it up, which is possible, unless it was a figure of speech before that, in which case, why doornail? Dead as a door, dead as a dodo, dead as a doornail, dead as a doormat. I like the question, Paul, but I'm not overly optimistic about getting an answer. We will, however, move heaven and earth in search of one. Bob's in Ricelip. Bob, question or answer? Answer on the batteries. Why no bees, Bob? Many years ago, um, most houses didn't have mains and... Radios required three batteries. Oh. A valve heater battery. Yes. An HD battery and a grid bias battery. Grid bias batteries had six cells in. Yes. Slowly, they sold these separately in different guises for torches, bicycle lamps and all sorts of things. Over the years, they steadily logicalised the whole system and reduced it down until today we've virtually got triple A, AA and D. But it started off because grid bias batteries had all these cells in. Beautiful. Which could be used in different configurations. And they were in bicycle lamps. I didn't dream that. Oh, yes. Bicycle lamps fore and aft, you know. So the B existed going back to about the 20s and then it just fell out of usage. It, it got overtaken by technology. Well, yes, but I mean, it's a bit later than that, because oh, sorry. I'm talking about 1950-ish. Yeah, but the bees were around in the 20s, that's when it started, and they sort of fell out of usage oh, in the they 50s. they were around for a lot longer than that. I don't know that they were given names until the 20s, actually, Bob, but I can't believe I'm arguing with you, because you clearly know an awful lot about batteries, and my ego is such that I'm preparing to actually do battle with you on a subject I know nothing about. Kind of like my job. Yeah, I see what you mean. Mm. So what I'll do is pretend that last bit never happened and ask you how you know so much about batteries. I was starting my apprenticeship as a, an engineer working on valve radio. Oh, wow. And am I your favourite radio presenter of all time? Well, Give him a round of applause quick before it... <laughs> Bless you, Bob. Great work. Tony is in Chatham. Tony, question or answer? It's a partial answer, James. Okay. hope it's all right. It's okay. about... Uh, the dollar sign. Oh, yes. Where does that all come from, then? It used to be P with a P with an S through it for peso, because they did a majority of the early trading with the Mexicans when they moved over to the West. And eventually, it simply became a an S with two sticks through it. It's a lot quicker. Oh. And the original word for dollar uh, comes from 15th century Bohemia, and it was sailor, meaning a single unit of currency. Very strong. Qualifications? Uh, quiz not, quiz fanatic, quiz question setter. Go to a quiz tonight. If I get a round of applause, I can play on the podcast and get a free pint. You're on. There you go. Love your show. Good man. Love your pint. Pint of what? It's gone. Charlie's in Shepherd's Bush. Charlie, question or answer? Uh, I have an answer. Carry on, Charlie. Uh, so it's for, for the phobias. Um, really? It's, uh, yeah, for the phobia one. So the general classification is pretty much everything can be classified because the way a phobia is classified, it takes the Greek phobia for fear yes. and then whatever you're afraid of. So, for example, trees, dendros, dendrophobia would be a fear of trees. It's similar to ology and, you know... I did, I, I mean, at risk of sounding fear. ungrateful, I, I kind of knew all that. I, the, the question was more about uh, what are the criteria for formal classification. So I think you're telling me, well, theoretically, it could be anything. You just have to wait until it gets into the dictionary. Well, 
if something's named, isn't it classified, though? Yes, but, but for example, if I had an irrational fear of Sheila Fogarty, it hasn't been named yet. Is it a phobia? Fogophobia. <laughs> oh, I can't answer that. No. It works though, doesn't it? That was the phobophobia. has got a certain ring to it, I think that's the name yeah. of my next album sorted. The, that's the, do you see the problem, Charlie? The, the, I know you're yeah, absolutely no. right, and the Greek root is, is, is very much the, the classification process, but the classification criteria are less clear. Yeah, I'll get that. Fair but on. I'm going to give you a round of applause because it's Christmas. No, you're very welcome. Um, is that it? I think it is. We never did the swear words. Sheila Fogarty. I should, oh, well, hang on, I can, squeeze in, can I squeeze in Sam? Or would it... Uh, no, fire away. Swear words, Sam, quickly. 30 seconds, go. Hi, James. Um, it's to do with the Norman conquest of England, I thought. And when the Normans invaded, the French words became more high class and the original English words became the swear words we have now. Ah, so the F word became rude and you were allowed to say rompe pompe instead. Uh, it's something like that. The actual example I have, I can't really say. No, I, I'm going to give you a round of applause as well before it all Thank falls you. apart. And I just want to apologise in advance to anybody who suffers from phobophobia. You may <laughs> want to turn your radio off now. If you enjoyed this podcast, hear James O'Brien live every weekday morning from 10, only on LBC.